Hey everybody, welcome back to Explain Like I'm 5, the podcast where we take the questions you always wanted to ask and talk about them in a way that's easy to understand. We are your hosts, I'm Tim. Hey, I'm Kevin. So Kevin, today we're talking about a question that comes up quite often, and that is about DNA. This topic is one which we have had a number of listeners write in about over the years. And here's a question to start. If there are 3.2 billion base pairs in the human DNA, how come there are only about 20,000 genes that we care about? Great, great question. And it's because that most of our DNA can be described as actually non-coding, meaning they don't actually make a protein product. So these are sometimes labeled as junk DNA, although lots of scientists think the term is kind of misleading because they do in fact have important functions. And these make up about 98% of the human genome. And they do things like controlling the expression of genes, you know, things like turning them on or off, or even modulating certain responses. So even though there are 3.2 billion base pairs in human DNA, in fact, only a small portion of that is responsible for the genetic information that defines us. So only about 2% of human DNA is made up of genes then. We should probably ELI5 what a gene is exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So a section of DNA that contains any instructions to make a protein is what is called a gene. So you could think of a gene as kind of being a house and a base pair as being, let's say, a brick. And just like it takes many, many bricks to build a house, a gene is also composed of many of these base pairs. And additionally, just as there can be many different types of bricks, such as different colors, different sizes, different ways to arrange them to make a wall, the same gene can be made up of different base pairs, as long as there is a basic shared structure. There are many ways a house can look, but it's more than just bricks kind of randomly piled on top of each other, right? There's some structure. I see. So if we build on that structure, what is a double helix? And why is that so significant? The famous double helix. Uh, you might have seen these structures in you know, videos or drawings. It's that double helix, essentially two strands of DNA that twist around each other, kind of like a ladder going up in a spiral. And the rungs of this ladder are what made up of these base pairs, which are the chemical building blocks of DNA. And the double helix in particular is significant because it is the structure that allows DNA to be copied and also passed on from generation to generation. The technical name for each rung of the ladder is actually a pair of nucleotides. Ah, and there are four types of these nucleotides represented by different letters. Yes, yes. So there are the, the A, these are letters, <laughs> uh, the letter A, T, C, and G nucleotides. Uh, each rung of the DNA ladder is basically made up of two bases, one base coming from each leg, and the bases are held together by hydrogen bonds. But remember, actually only A can pair with T and C can pair with G. The double helix is significant because it is the fundamental structure that DNA takes on. Folks might have heard of someone named uh, James Watson and Francis Crick, who were actually famous for discovering it in 1953. Interesting. So yes, we've heard those names, Watson and Crick, but did they really discover DNA itself? Oh, so the story of DNA discovery actually dates back a little further, and it is quite fascinating. It's a combination of a whole bunch of different scientists' work over a period of decades. 
So DNA was first extracted from cells, meaning it was isolated, by a Swiss physician named Friedrich Miescher in 1869 when he was working on bacteria from the puss in surgical bandages. It was around the same time in 1865 that an Austrian scientist named Gregor Mendel discovered how individuals received traits from their parents. He was working with pea plants and found that genes come in pairs and are inherited as distinct units. And then he tracked those genes through, you know, the concept of dominant versus recessive traits. So what happened as we fast forward to 1953 then? Well, as you say, the discovery of the structure of DNA, this double helix, is what is attributed to James Watson and Francis Crick. In 1953, Watson and Crick suggested what is now accepted as the first correct double helix model of DNA structure in the famous scientific journal Nature. They, they really built upon the work of many other scientists, including Rosalind Franklin and Maurice Wilkins, who provided critical X-ray crystallography images that helped reveal the structure of DNA. Their double helix molecular model of DNA was then based on a single X-ray diffraction image taken actually a year earlier by Rosalind Franklin in May 1952. And this was actually such a famous photo, even had a label, Photo 51. The 1953 Nature Journal also had some other published articles that supported this, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, experimental evidence supporting the Watson and Crick model was published in a series of five articles in the same issue of Nature. And of these, Franklin and Gosling's paper was the first publication of their own X-ray diffraction data and other original analysis uh, that partly supported the Watson and Crick model. I believe the issue also contained an article on DNA structure by this uh, New Zealand-born physicist and molecular biologist uh, named Maurice Wilkins. So uh, there were four names there, Watson and Crick as we know, Rosalind Franklin, who took the photo, and Maurice Wilkins. Yeah, yeah, and uh, as you can imagine, a fierce debate continues about who should really receive the credit. Um, Rosalind Franklin unfortunately died from cancer in 1958, and in 1962, after her death, uh, it was Watson, Crick, and Wilkins, they jointly received the Nobel Prize in Physiology slash Medicine. Uh, and, you know, Nobel Prizes are awarded only to living recipients, but many argue that Rosalind Franklin should be uh, given an honorary one as well. Did you learn something new? If you did, send us an email. We are at eli5thepodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you, especially when you've got suggestions and questions for us. As always, thank you to the community at r slash explain like I'm five, and we will see you all next week.